Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's think about this psalm, and let's think particularly about some of the things that, that shepherds did and how they speak to us about our God, the God who we worship. I'm starting with something about kind of the status of shepherds and the fact that to be a shepherd was to hold a pretty humble position. Um, and our God is the shepherd who is humble. It wasn't a glamorous job to be a shepherd in the ancient world, despite their starring role in the Christmas story. I don't know how you describe it. Smelly, dirty, occasionally dangerous. But I, mean, I imagine mostly quite boring, with only animals for company. Some of us might appreciate that from time to time, depending on... Um, how, many, how much time you've spent with people and whether you're peopled out. But being a shepherd, you know, it involves sleeping outside, uh, having to fight off wild animals, and also being looked down on by pretty much everybody else. Shepherds were well down the pecking order in the ancient world. I guess that's why David, being the youngest of his brothers, got the job, didn't he, of looking after the sheep. But God, first of all, is prepared to be known as our shepherd right through the Old Testament in these various places. The Lord is my shepherd. Right through until Jesus stands up in front of the Pharisees and all the others in John chapter 10 and says, I am the good shepherd. It's me. At which he demonstrates, not with glory or with triumph, but by laying down his life for his sheep. That's what he says, isn't it, in John 10? And it's what he then does. He comes with humility, not concerned for himself, but concerned to put others first. The humility of the shepherd points us from Psalm 23, uh, Psalm 23 through to Philippians 2, if you like, uh, to the Lord Jesus who lowered himself to appear as a man, even to death on a cross. So as we come to think about God being our shepherd, first of all, we need to remember that the shepherd is humble. But then we get into some of the things that he does. And so the second thing is that he's the shepherd who provides. Psalm 23, verse 1, I shall not want, or in some of the versions, I shall lack nothing. Now, a few weeks ago, if you were here, we actually thought about God the provider as a, a theme in and of itself. But it's one of the things which clearly comes through in Psalm 23 as we think about what it means for God to be shepherd. How do sheep find something to eat? That's the shepherd's job. Um, I don't know about you, but when I think of sheep and shepherds, I tend to think of, you know, a green west country field, you know, lush grass, plenty of, plenty of rain, perhaps a Welsh hillside or something. Maybe it's because I'm from Gloucestershire. Um, but 
of course, the arid lands in which Psalm 23 is set means that sheep needed to be led to where there was something to eat. It wasn't automatically there. Uh, the shepherd sorts out the sheep's needs, food and water. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So I shall not want. So what does having the Lord as our shepherd mean? It means we won't lack what we need. Now, on one level, there's just a little challenge, a little nudge for us there, isn't there? To say, how good are we at pausing and giving thanks for the Lord's provision? How has he provided for you in the past seven days? There are so many things in our lives that we just take for granted, aren't there? Just the stuff that we, the, the food that we eat, the drink that we drink, the shelter that we have. That's just the starting point. Of course, if we know more about Jesus as uh, the good shepherd, we know that it goes further than that, don't we? It's not just our food and our water and our clothing, because he makes it clear that he's come not just to provide for our physical needs, but also for our spiritual needs, our eternal needs. Who provides the bread of life and the water of life? The good shepherd does. The shepherd who provides. Sometimes we wonder where we're going to get something which we feel we need. All the things that we need come from his hand. The third thing here in the psalm about the shepherd is that he's the shepherd who protects. Um, I said earlier on that, that being a shepherd wasn't only dirty and smelly, it could sometimes be dangerous. And part of this is because sheep needed to be protected from attack. As I said, it's not a nice fenced-off area on a farm somewhere in Gloucestershire or Somerset. These are arid, isolated places. There might be wild animals. There might even be sheep rustlers, those kind of things. Part of the shepherd's job was to stop the sheep getting hurt. And then there's also the need to protect the sheep from themselves. Um, sheep are they're not the cleverest animals, are they? They're kind of notoriously stupid. It's not really a compliment when we're referred to as sheep in the Bible. They tend to wander off. They do their own thing. They get lost. They get stuck. And they end up in danger. The shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one, as Jesus tells it in his parable. And so the psalm says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or in some versions, through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, when I'm alone and when it's dangerous, he says, I will fear no evil. Why is that? For you are with me. The good shepherd is with me. The sheep are safe. The shepherd is watching over them. That's true for all of us who know the Lord as our shepherd. How is it true? Well, David tells us that too. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And they're great comforts, aren't they? Because the rod, well, that means it's like a wooden cudgel, like a baseball bat, something to fight off the dangers with. And if you're the one being protected by that, that gives you comfort, doesn't it? And the staff is kind of the crook. Um, that's to keep the sheep in order and to stop them wandering off and going the wrong way. One, if you like, to protect from the outside dangers and one to protect the sheep from themselves. And Jesus is the good shepherd who does both of these things. He protects us from our enemies by laying down his life for the sheep. Uh, that's a huge step up from the average shepherd, isn't it? You know, Maybe a shepherd might have to do something dangerous, perhaps even risk his or her life for the sheep that they're looking after. 
They're not going to lay down their life deliberately. That would be pretty, pretty daft. It's not going to help the sheep. You would think. But that's what Jesus does. He lays down his life for the sheep's life. And he defeats our enemies, sin and death and hell, when he does that. And at the same time, he protects us from our tendency to wander off. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Um, and that's the staff, isn't it? That's what he uses, in a sense, um, when we are the one in the parable of the hundred sheep, the one who has wandered off. Uh, and in the church, one of the ways that Jesus does that is by appointing leaders. And uh, that's why bishops have that, you know, the, the, the crook, isn't it? Um, part, of, um, part of the symbolism that they are to guide God's people. And that's what bishops promise to do. Um, but, but all church leaders make those kinds of promises. Um, part, of the, part of the job of being a church leader is to keep the sheep safe, to keep people on track, um, to do that work of the shepherd. The other thing about being protected is this. Isn't it striking that the Lord, my shepherd, does not remove David from the valley of darkness? I don't know about you, but when I find myself in those kinds of places, places where I'm fearful or struggling, my prayer is very often, Lord, get me out of here. Change this situation, please. Uh, and I'm sure most of us can think of examples of when we've wanted to pray something like that. But actually, what David trusts in is that the Lord will protect him while he is in difficult circumstances, so he need not fear. I think that's quite important, because it's a, it's a real pattern in the Bible. Uh, when we see um, people living the spirit-filled life, basically, uh, living a, a faithful life as believers, very, very often it is what happens. You know, John the Baptist, we're told, is filled with the spirit, and he's called to this ministry of isolation and confrontation. Um, what happens to Jesus when, he's, when we're specifically told he's filled with the Spirit? Well, on one occasion, he's sent out into the wilderness to be tested. Um, Stephen, in the book of Acts, we're told is filled with the Spirit, and he's prepared to give his life for the gospel. Um, Paul, on various occasions, in his ministry of suffering, is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't lead us very often to a comfortable life. And so... If you find yourself facing struggles in the Christian life, maybe particularly if you're involved in ministry in one way or another, and as I look around, there are many of us who are, our response might well be, Lord, get me out of here, first of all. And of course, sometimes we do get ourselves into strife because of our sin rather than because of anything else. And it's always worth just asking the question, is it me? Is that why I'm here? But it's also true that when we're contending for the truth, uh, when we face struggles and conflicts, when we are being faithful to the Lord, well, that may well be this is where the shepherd wants to put us. And it won't be easy, but he will not leave us. And we can say too, your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. In fact, more than that, we can say he lays a table in the presence of our enemies. The enemies are there, but we don't have to fear. The shepherd is there too. And so last of all, what does this shepherd do? He's the shepherd who leads, the shepherd who guides his people. We've already said, haven't we, he, he's the shepherd who leads by quiet waters. It also says, verse 3, he guides me along 
right paths or paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Which again is brilliant news because it's a reminder that it's not up to the sheep to find the right way. I've already said they tend to go the wrong way. But the Lord, my shepherd, shows me where to go. You don't see sheep debating with shepherds, do you? Should we go this way? Should we go that way? They're too stupid. The shepherd either uses his crook or his sheepdog, or off he heads and the sheep go. I don't quite know how it works, so you can probably tell. But that's the principle. The shepherd moves on and the sheep follow. There is no doubt who is doing the guiding and who is being guided, who is being led. I know that lots of Christians get worried sometimes about you know, whether or not I'm walking in God's will for my life. Have I taken a wrong turn somewhere along the line? Am I I supposed to change job? Am I supposed to marry this person? Am I supposed to move house? Am I supposed to move church? I don't know, whatever it might be. And if that is you, or if it's ever been you, I think it's good for us to be reminded how much bigger God, the Lord, our shepherd is than we are. He sees every possible path that we might take at every step. And he is leading us in paths of righteousness. Andrew Wilson puts it like this in his book. You cannot do what God says and end up in the wrong place. So unless you've been disobedient to him, you are exactly where he wants you to be. And if you have been disobedient to him, he still won't leave you there. He will come and find you to lead you back in paths of righteousness. That is what he does. The reason Psalm 23, I think, is so famous, it's, it's probably the most famous of all the Psalms, and so much loved and appreciated, is because of these truths that David gives us about God, who is the Lord my shepherd. Now, if you take this shepherd and all he does for his sheep out of the Psalm, there's almost nothing left. You can try it sometime. You, get with a, you, get, you end up with a load of I, me, my... Uh, And then I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, me in the presence of my enemies. That's just about all that is left if you take out what the shepherd does. And that's pretty bleak and depressing, isn't it? That is where people are without Jesus. No wonder there are so many cynical people in, in the world. Without the Lord our shepherd, we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of darkness, in the presence of our enemies, trying to work it out on our own. Paralyzed by fear. With the good shepherd gone, there's just a world of bad stuff out there. And it is a world of bad stuff often, isn't it? But with the Lord our shepherd, he not only protects us and guides us, he tells us where we're going. We know that that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.